0: Thanks, Dave, and thanks uh, everyone again for gathering today in this way. Uh, If you don't know me, my name is Wes, one of the pastors here at Dunbar, and so glad to gather with you today. Um, To see at least most of your faces is so good, and uh, so thank you for making this a priority in your week. I trust it'll be an encouragement and a blessing that lasts throughout the week for you. Uh, We're going to do now what we do each week, uh, take a passage from God's Word, and Look at it together, talk about what it means, why it matters, and what we should do about it. So if you have a Bible with you, or Bible app, whatever it is, could you turn now to Matthew chapter 7? Continuing in our series through Matthew, uh, coming now to Matthew chapter 7. We'll start at verse 1, and when you found that, if you are able, would you stand together with me for the reading of God's word? Jesus says this, Judge not, that you be not judged. For with the judgments that you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrites, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is God's word. You may be seated. Let me pray for us for a moment, then we'll dive into this. Spirit of God, would you now just illumine the preaching of your word? Open this up to us, reveal to us what it is that you want to show us. Give us humility to receive what you show us and then give us faith to walk into it and to be obedient to what you call us to. As I always ask now as well, God, would you move and govern my tongue to speak your truth? Amen. Amen. So I think it's safe to say that if you were to pick one verse out of the bible that uh, pretty much anyone even someone who has nothing to do with jesus or the church could still quote to you verbatim and maybe even quote to you in the king james english it would probably have to be matthew chapter 7 verse 1 judge not lest you be judged so yeah i mean make comments about someone's outfits um, share an opposing view on a Facebook or Instagram post. Um, question whether or not Squid Game is really worth all the hype that it's getting right now. And somebody will pause you and stop and be like, man, you, you, you Christians really are judgy, aren't you? Haven't you heard? Like, doesn't your own Bible say, judge not lest ye be judged? So, and, and yes, it does. We just read it. Yeah, it does say that. And, and to be fair... I mean, whether or not you're a judgmental person or not yourself, uh, uh, Christians and the church in general, they've absolutely earned that label over the years, Um, mostly by being judgmental, uh, just by being super judgy with people, uh, very often uh, holding people to a kingdom standard, expecting kingdom values and behavior from people who are not yet part of the kingdom. Um, And so that's the problem. But of course, the unspoken assumption in that uh, it's embedded within that rebuke is that no one should ever make judgments about anyone. Like that's just not something you should do at all. And, and the world would be a far better place if we would just adopt more of a live and let live, you do you kind of attitude in general. And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe there's some truth to that. The problem, however, first of all, is what Jesus goes on to say in verse 2 of Matthew chapter 7, a verse almost no one could quote to you. Uh, where Jesus reveals that what he's actually getting at in verse 1 is not that we would never make judgments about anyone at all, but that we wouldn't judge hypocritically. That is, that we wouldn't use one standard of judgment for others that we don't also use for ourselves. And beyond that, listen, reputation or no reputation Being judgmental, like judging other people in any way, that's not a particularly Christian or a uniquely Christian thing, right? As though Christians, they judge people, they judge things, and the rest of the world is just happily lives in blissful neutrality. The rest of the world is Switzerland. Like, no, right? We know... This is something every single one of us does every single day of our lives. From, from choosing a romantic partner to choosing which grocery teller you want to go through who can get you through the line fastest. We, we make judgments like this about other people every day. So given that reality, what are we to make of Jesus' instructions here to kingdom citizens in the opening verses of Matthew 7 about these judgments that we all make? And how do we avoid the extremes of either being super judgy on the one hand and being indifferent to people on the other? Well, that's what I want to talk about together for the next few minutes here as we dig back into this series uh, through uh, Matthew's gospel, Kingdom Come, and now dive into this last chapter of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's gospel. We're looking at chapter 7 now in particular. And in order to help us track what Jesus says here and follow along and hopefully apply this, I want to look at the passage today in just two ways. We're going to talk about the hypocrisy of judgmentalism and then the impatience of indifference. Just those two things. The hypocrisy of judgmentalism and the impatience of indifference. So if you've closed your Bible, your Bible app, whatever it is, would you open it again to that passage? Matthew 7, verse 1. Follow along with me here as we look at the importance of discernment in the life of a kingdom citizen. I think that word in particular, I think that really sums up well what Jesus is actually getting at here, discernment, while also considering what Jesus has to say about how to avoid those ditches on either side. Okay, so let's look at, first of all, at the hypocrisy of judgmentalism hypocrisy of judgmentalism. So if you look at the way Jesus begins here in verse 1, this, this new section of teaching, you get the sense right away that he's presenting both a rebuke as well as a warning. You know it's a rebuke because you don't tell people to stop doing something that they're not already doing, and he's saying, don't do that. And you know it's a warning because of what Jesus goes on to say there in verse 2 to further qualify what he said in verse 1, reminding people that the standard you use to judge others will be used to judge you as well. And something important to point out is that because it's Jesus saying that, Jesus is saying we'll be judged with the judgment we pronounce, we'll be measured with the measurement that we use on others. That means not only are we going to be held to that standard in the judgment that we use by other people, they're going to hold us to that same standard. It means we're also going to be held to that same standard by God. As D.A. Carson rightly points out, those who judge like this will be judged in turn not by men, which would be of little consequence, but by God, which fits the solemn tone of this discourse. He goes on, the disciple who takes it on himself to be the judge of what another does usurps the place of God and therefore becomes answerable to him. And we can see there by that comical example that Jesus offers there in verse 3 and 4 of trying to remove a speck of sawdust from your brother's eye while you got a big plank of wood coming out of your own. We can see how using one measure for their judgment of others and a very different measure for themselves was exactly what was going on and exactly why both this rebuke as well as this warning of Jesus was needed. The problem, however, is not in getting people to agree that we shouldn't be hypocritical, that we shouldn't have one standard of judgment for ourselves and a different one for other people. The problem, as John Stott masterfully puts it, is, is in seeing how often we're blind to the fact that we're doing this. He says it this way. The picture of somebody struggling with a delicate operation of removing a speck of dirt from a friend's eye while a vast plank in his own eye entirely obscures his vision is ludicrous in the extreme. Okay, check. Yet, when the caricature is transferred to ourselves and our ridiculous fault finding, we do not always appreciate the joke. We have a fatal tendency to exaggerate the faults of others and minimize the gravity of our own. And and I'm confess guilty myself oh, i think we all would say yeah yeah that's that's me and that's it right that's the that's the hypocritical part that th- this is the hypocrisy of judgmentalism and why jesus so strongly condemns this in the life of his kingdom citizens just as he did back at the beginning there of chapter six when he was condemning hypocrisy in the way we practice our righteousness our giving our praying and our fasting uh same thing here He's condemning this this hypocrisy in our judgmentalism. And it is. It's it's hypocritical, first of all, because just as we saw, you're you're judging someone with an unjust measurement. You're using unbalanced scales in order to judge other people. Where, Where I see the tiniest of issues in someone else's life as in desperate need of being pointed out, immediate need of being addressed. All the while, minimizing, ignoring far bigger issues in my own life and then and expecting nobody to have a problem with that. You know, it's, it's that, that criticizing, condemning some kid for, for forgetting to reapply sunscreen after he gets out of the water at the beach while I got a cigarette hanging out of my mouth. You know, it's like complete, you're not getting the fact that, yeah, this, this one is actually the same thing. It's also hypocritical because, and, and this is extremely common in all judgmentalism and judgmental people, it assumes a comprehensive understanding of all the circumstances. I see all the inner motives of what's going on behind someone else's behavior that I'm pronouncing judgment on them. I, I see very clearly what's going on and why you did that. I understand fully, all the while counting, calling out, foul, anytime anyone does that to me. He's saying, listen, you don't know the circumstances, you don't know my life, you don't know what's going on in in my own uh, circumstance. Again, with this very tiny, tiny lapse in judgment here, you can't see. I think this is exactly there what D.A. Carson was referring to when he talked about judging others being equivalent to standing in the place of God because what we're doing when we judge people like that is we are assuming that we have an omniscience about everything about the circumstance that we're judging when the reality is that what I observe in your life, when just by watching you, is maybe maybe 25% maximum. I, I see the fullness of the picture. And that's being generous. Uh, maybe someone in your family, maybe it's 50%. But still, we, we see so little of what's actually going on in the circumstances that we're casting judgment on. Lastly, it's hypocritical, this kind of judgment, because it presents God himself to others as this fault-finding, eye-in-the-sky kind of tyrant that we need to constantly try to earn our acceptance before. We're presenting God that way to other people, all the while standing here in church, praising God for the fact that we stand faultless before him for his free, undeserved grace for all our failures. Presenting a hypocritical picture. I'm accepting his free grace for myself while condemning others. And if you look at the text, the only solution, the only antidote that Jesus offers to this hypocritical, judgmental farce that every single one of us is so prone to wander into is there in verse 5. Look with me. Jesus says, First, the first thing we need to do is to take the log out of our own eye. That's the very first thing we need to do before we ever dare to claim to have sight of a speck in someone else's eye. Start by taking the log out of your own eye, by which I think Jesus simply means that the first priority, whenever we're tempted to pronounce judgment on someone else, is to first rightly judge ourselves to measure ourselves rightly, to see ourselves truly. For in acknowledging your, your truly obscured, limited nature of your sight, Jesus seems to be saying, that is when you truly begin to see correctly. And you begin to see in a way that can actually be helpful to others. Judge yourself first. I, th- I think James, uh, Jesus' half-brother, sums this up Very well, the whole solution that Jesus gives in James chapter 1 when he writes this. Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. And then James adds, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I think given Jesus' teaching here in Matthew 7, James could have very easily substituted in a judgmental spirit for anger there. And we could say it this way, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to pronounce judgment on another person. For the judgmentalism of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. Quick to hear. By the way, don't imagine if if you're hearing all this this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, or maybe you and Jesus aren't on speaking terms right now or ever, and imagine... Well, this doesn't apply to me because this is what you know, Jesus is saying to you Christians. Remember what I said when we began. This is not a Christian issue. This is an everyone issue. We all struggle with this. We're all hypocrites to one degree or another in the way that we cast judgment on others and we hold them to a standard that we don't hold ourselves to. So just in general, I think we could say we could, we could all stand to be a lot more quick to listen. A lot more slow to speak and much slower to pronounce judgment on others. For we truly do see so little, we truly do understand so little of what we can see and observe alone in the life of others. And in light of that as well as, you know, the appropriate sense of guilt that maybe every one of us is feeling to one degree or another as we have our hypocritical judgmentalism pointed out by the one who truly does see everything, who is omniscient. He knows the fullness. If you're at all like me, you probably like are now thinking, okay, well, I guess that's it then. That, that's, that's the answer. The truth is we really shouldn't ever cast judgment on other people. We should just never do that. Jesus, thank you. I, I see what your point is now. I'm not going to judge anyone or try to cast judgments on anyone ever again. Problem is, a careful reading of the text reveals that's actually not what Jesus is telling us. And, and rightly discerning truth from error in any given situation is actually an essential practice in life as well as in the life of a kingdom citizen. So let's look lastly here at what Jesus says is the equally dangerous ditch on the other side of hypocritical judgmentalism and talk about the impatience of indifference. The impatience of indifference. And there's no question, man, the the, the appeal to adopt that live and let live, you do you kind of mindset and worldview where we never make judgments about anyone else, it sounds right. It sounds really good, particularly if you're like a conflict avoidant person. You're like, man, that sounds, yeah, I think that's right. We shouldn't ever point anything out to anyone else. It also sounds like the best way to to deal with this problem of judgmentalism. Just stop casting judgments. Maybe the best way we guard against this is just to develop a thick-skinned indifference to the issues that we see in others. Just be like, you know what? I'm not even going to look at that. That's, that's not my problem. The problem is that there's nobody who does that. <laughs> nobody lives like that. There is no person who doesn't make judgments about people. And, and for the record, just because you're not saying them to other people it doesn't mean you don't have them. We all form these judgments every single day and throughout the day. And the reality is actually making those judgments is not automatically a bad thing. Again, remember, Jesus said, "It's this passage here, he said he's not condemning making any judgments at all whatsoever. He's rebuking kingdom citizens and warning them against being hypocritical in their judgments, holding other people to a standard that they don't hold themselves to. And we can see that, first of all, in the way Jesus concludes his teaching about hypocritical judgment at the end of verse 5. Look again there at verse 5. He says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Okay, so we can see here the goal of removing the log in your eye is not an end in itself. It's not just to create a world of people without logs in their eyes. The goal, the point of it, is so that in removing the log, I can now see clearly to remove the speck from my brother's eye. But in order to see a speck, in order to know that it's a speck there, I do have to make some kind of judgment about the situation that person is in, right? I have to see that they do have a speck in their eye and I have to discern that that's what's actually going on. F.D. Bruner says it this way, The sum has often been used as a cover for moral laxity and as an excuse for indifference, but sawdust in the eye hurts, and it impairs vision. Problems in Christians and churches do impede mission. It's entirely legitimate to help others remove specks from their eyes, but helpers must first be aware of their own lumber. I like that. And the reality is, if you're a member of this church, which means you've signed our church covenant, the reality is we've agreed to make judgments of one another. We've said to one another, as confirming my life's goal to be like Jesus, I want to be accountable to you to point out specks in my eyes. Please do that. Please help me to remove those things. And you've made yourself accountable to me and to others to do that for you. We've agreed to be judgmental with each other in an appropriate way because affirming our life's desire to be like Jesus, we know we can't do that on our own. We need the help of others. We need the help of a family in order to accomplish this. I think John Stott, again, he sums up what Jesus is actually calling us to very well when he notes this. To sum up, the command to judge not is not a requirement to be blind, but rather a plea to be generous. I gotta say that again. That's so good. It's not a requirement to be blind, but a plea to be generous. Jesus doesn't tell us to cease to be rational human beings, suspending our critical powers which help us to distinguish distinguish us from animals, but to renounce the presumptuous ambition to be God by setting ourselves up as judges. And I think uh, what Stott says there about our powers of critical reasoning, that they distinguish us from animals, leads us really perfectly to the second reason, we see Jesus is not condemning us from making any judgments whatsoever and, and why that's actually such an important thing for us to do. When he goes on to say in verse 6 there, look, look what he closes out the teaching with again. Do not give to dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is actually a classically difficult verse to translate. Um, a lot of different uh, understandings and interpretations about what Jesus is talking about there. Um, when he warns against giving holy things to dogs, what does that mean? Giving pearls to pigs, like, like what, what are the pearls? What, what are the holy things? Who are the dogs and the pigs in there? Like how do we understand what Jesus is actually saying here? I'm going to give you just kind of two majority interpretations. One is that Jesus is talking about the pearls and the holy things that he refers to in verse six are the help. That we seek to offer other people in removing specks from their eyes, so that's that's the first idea of what he means. Another interpretation, given what Jesus goes on to say later in Matthew 13 about a pearl of great price being the gospel of the kingdom, is that he's referring to our sharing of the gospel with unbelievers. Either one of those interpretations possible, but listen, the point is regardless. Regardless of whether the pearls are the help that we offer in removing specks or sharing the gospel itself, what Jesus means by referring to those people uh, uh, that we offer those pearls to as pigs and dogs, he's not trying to be insulting of them. He's not trying to be degrading to them. Rather, he's calling us to rightly discern two things, the, the way in which we offer help and to rightly discern, even more importantly, I think the timing when we offer those things to others. That is, Jesus is not speaking here to those that we're seeking to help. He's speaking to the helpers. Just think about Just imagine, those of you with pets, what would happen if you were to fill their food bowl this morning with with pearls, actual pearls, just filled up the food bowl. You get a picture pretty quickly of, of, because an animal doesn't have the powers of critical reasoning that a human being does, they have no ability to estimate the value of what's being offered to them. And so what are they going to do? They're either going to be like, sniff, sniff, walk away, trample on it. If you're throwing pigs into a, like pearls into a pig pen, they're just going to step on them. Or they're going to be mad. They're going to be mad because they're hungry, and you're giving them something that has no good taste, seems useless, and they're going to turn on you and tear you to pieces. Pigs apparently can really do this. Um, And an example of this, which maybe you might be familiar with this, this kind of understanding of the way people think and and respond to things, comes from Psalm 73. There David is bemoaning the apparent ease of those who live their lives with no reference to God while he's struggling to follow God himself and dealing with the, the difficulty of that. And when he finally comes to realize the mistake, that he wasn't seeing things properly, and he's repenting of that view, he says this, when my soul was embittered, When I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. So we're starting to get the picture. Responding in a beastly way is I don't understand the value of what's being offered to me. I can't see what you're putting in front of me. And so I either ignore it as nothing or I'm angry and turn on you. Because if you transfer that understanding now onto how we help to remove specks in the eyes of those that we care about, or even sharing the gospel message with someone else, I think it's pretty easy to see that that help, it's not always readily received, is it? I think that's pretty easy for us to imagine. When we try to offer that help to other people, a lot of times they're like, excuse me? They give us that who are you to judge kind of attitude. Or even, even when we're trying to share the gospel with others, it's not always easily and readily received by them. But if we try to hold fast to this idea, well, I should just never make judgments about other people, I shouldn't be judgmental, and I can't rightly discern their mindset in the moment, we might foolishly abandon the long-term goal of bringing real help, bringing pearls of great value to those that we know and love, because we're too impatient in the moment to judge either our timing or their mindset in the moment. Like, how are they receiving what I'm bringing to them? Because in seeking to make no judgments whatsoever, just remaining politely indifferent to the failings and failure to see of others, we could, first of all, leave someone in a truly perilous circumstances, just by saying, "Well, it's not my place to judge, even when we see them like ready to walk off a cliff, like that's not, that can't be the compassionate within God's calling us to." We' also end up saying things like, "What? We could say, "Well, I tried to warn them." about that pattern of behavior that I've learned from my own experience leads to a dead end, but they got mad at me, so I guess it's none of my business. Or I, I tried to share the gospel with my parents one time, but they told me that that was stupid and that I was wasting my time with all that, so I guess I shouldn't just share the gospel with them ever again. We can just jump to that conclusion because we can't rightly discern they're not seeing the value right now of what's being offered. So what can I do differently? What's my mindset that needs to change in the way that I'm offering this? Or can I be more patient? Can I have more of a long-term view in mind that doesn't see like you have to accept this right now because I offered it to you. This is, these are pearls. You need to receive them and you're not seeing it. The reality is that rightly judging, rightly discerning where someone is at in the moment and how it is that you're receiving what it is that you're offering them could make all the difference in the world could actually make an eternal difference. If only you'd be compassionate enough to risk sharing that judgment with them and patient enough to wait for a more opportune moment, wait for a time when they're more open to receive or even offering in a different way. So many different options about how it is we cannot just remain indifferent to people's specs and not be impatient as we seek to help them remove them. point in the end is that making judgments of others is unavoidable it is something that we all do every single one of us every single day no matter how much we might want to try to preach the 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 virtues of a neutral indifference we just can't do it we do make these judgments and acknowledging that reality the challenge then for us as Jesus has pointed out today is to avoid those ditches on either side Avoid the ditches of hypocritical judgmentalism, holding someone to a standard of judgment that you don't hold yourself to, or impatient indifference, on the other hand, that either refuses to help at all or writes people off too quickly because we're unwilling to rightly discern their beastly response in the moment. And in light of all that, the first question I want to ask you to truly consider in closing here is this. Am I sitting in either one of those ditches as it relates to the judgments that I make every day? Just think about your own life. Think about this past week. Am I sitting in either one of those ditches in the way that I pronounce judgment on others? Am I a fault-finding person? Feels the need to point out every speck of failure in others while being completely blind to my own faults and offended when someone points them out? Am I withholding the help that someone else might need genuinely for me because it's not my place to judge? I shouldn't. It's not my place to say anything to them. Or because they didn't gladly welcome the help the first time I offered it. So that's the first question. Am I sitting in either one of those ditches? The second question is to consider, am I living out what Jesus is actually calling me to do in this passage, which is to be discerning? Am I being discerning in the way that I make these judgments that we all make every single day? Because discernment, again, not judgmentalism, not indifference, discernment is judgment of someone else that is, first of all, made with humility. It's made with the humility to realize, I don't see the whole picture here. And my own vision is obscured by the sin and the weakness that's blocking my own sight. And it's also judgment and discernment that's made with compassion as well as patient commitment that cares enough about someone else to offer help and that is also willing to walk alongside that person as, for as long as it takes for them to see the value of what it is you're offering. It's a commitment. First of all, to, to, to point out the speck, but then also to walk alongside someone as long as they need. Maybe that sounds hard. Maybe that sounds like that's a lot to take on, but the reality is we can do this we can be discerning like this, and I think being discerning like this as a church is going to have massive implications when we think about our vision, both for ourselves being in process as well as being those ministers of gospel renewal because this is what we experience. We, by discerning this way in the judgments we make, we are actually following the pattern of the exact way that Jesus deals with us. For in love... God looked down and rightly discerned my desperate need. He discerned my helpless state, but rather than remaining indifferent to me, he humbled himself. He didn't have sin to take out of his eyes, but he humbled himself. He came down to earth. He put himself right at my level, right where I could reach him. Jesus tells us he didn't come into the world to condemn us, but to rescue us from condemnation. And yet... Like beasts, we didn't see the infinite value of what he came to offer. And so we trampled on him. We turned and tore him to pieces. And yet, in love, he patiently persevered in that love right to the end, right into giving his own life in order to seal my pardon. And now, not only that, praise God, not only did he persevere then, he continually patiently perseveres with us until at last one day we will stand before him free from condemnation and also free from every speck and plank that continues to obscure our vision in this life. That is all of our experience. We've all experienced that from Jesus as kingdom citizens and that's what he calls each one of us to, as citizens now, to live out in the midst of the everyday judgments that we make. We'll never do this without his help. So Spirit of God, help us to do this. Help us to hear what you've shown us today and in the judgments we make every day, help us to judge rightly. Help us to discern rightly, not hypocritically and not being indifferent to others. It's only by your grace and by your help we can do it. I ask that in Jesus' name, amen.